I don't care where you are in your recovery journey. The hill I will die on is the 12 steps are a worthy endeavor. I don't care if you've been sober. Hell yes, they are. Yeah. If you've been, if, if you've been sober, uh, 30 years, or if, if you are planning on getting sober, it's a worthy exercise. I'm Flint Anderson, founder of pain parents and addicts in need. I've been in recovery since 2001 and there isn't much I don't know about recovery. And my mission is to constantly tell the truth about addiction, to make the realities of addiction, recovery, and drug culture known, and to drive awareness and advocate change that ultimately saves lives. And I'm Jason Lachance, a certified recovery coach with a passion for speaking with others and sharing their knowledge to help others seek recovery and maintain long-term sobriety. And this is the Don't Hide the Scars podcast, presented by Pain, parents and addicts in need. To my right, the founder of Pain, Flynn Anderson. Of course, I'm Jason Lachance, and we're joined by the lovely host of the One Day at a Time podcast, and I dare say a friend, Arlena Allen. How are you? Yes, sir. Uh, I am very well. Thanks for asking. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always fun talking to you guys. You bet. Oh, yeah. We, we've been reviewing like people that it's just like, oh, lots of value. Great come. We have a good time. And you were top the list. So I'm like, I'm reaching out. <laughs> seeing how you doing? Still considered a good time gal. <laughs> <laughs> and sober or what? 30 years now? Where are you at? Almost 30. Yes. Right. 29 and counting. My anniversary is at the end of April, but pretty sure I'm going to make it. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's like, I always, when somebody asks me, how long do I have? I always kind of sit back for a second, you know, and go, okay, how do I really answer this? Because a lot of times I'll, I'll say, cause I'll go, do you ever have the urges? And, you know, and, and I almost have to cover it up sometimes because I just want to say, no, I don't. Okay, you, you know, but in recovery, everybody assumes that we've always got to be on our toes and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, I, you know, again, I think we always have to be aware to to a certain degree. But I think you reach a certain point in your recovery where I, I don't know, I'm like that, where it's like, God damn, there's no way I'm going back. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's just no way. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what the situation is. Listen, call it vanity, but I'm not, <laughs> not I don't want to do the beginning over again. <laughs> right. Plus, I actually I don't have any desire every once in a while. Like when my son turned 21, we were at a restaurant, this fancy restaurant, and they brought him out a glass of bourbon that had like this smoke thing. It was really, yeah. it, the way it was presented was super cool. It was like a little tray and it had a drink and, and the, you know, the big round ball, but it, they f- had smoked it. So there was like a, um, a container over it, like a hurricane jar over it filled with smoke and they brought it out and they lifted the thing and all the smoke went everywhere and it smelled amazing. And, and I was like, Oh, that's weird. I would really <laughs> like to have a sip, <laughs> but that, that's as far as it went. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. No. I, and uh, like, I've been having some, some different struggles right now. And I was, uh, you know, on with my sponsor yesterday. He's like, you're sober. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, everything's fine. I'm like, it wasn't even a, it, it's not even a thought anymore. Like, oh my gosh, I have oh, all these things that need to be done, taken care of, organized, processing of feelings, all that stuff. And it's not even a thought, but, but yeah. we were out for a, a, a Christmas party the other night and it was like, you know, everybody's getting the, the whiskey or whatever it is. And it's like, oh yeah, I used to like that. 
And it's 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 pretty much that quick now, mm-hmm. you know, and not saying yeah. it'll always be that I might call Flynn one night at 10 o'clock. Hey, I really need to talk, buddy. You know, so it's the, the hyper vigilance of it's shifted a bit, I yeah. guess I would say. I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shift. Is, I feel like after a while, the shift is like, I don't feel good. Like I'm upset and I need to. That's when I pick up the phone. Right. It's like when I don't feel good, I feel squirrely. Uh, like it's largely about emotion management after a while. Like I'm not thinking about, it's not about handling cravings or anything like that. It's about how do I get back to a peaceful place? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because for, for me, it's net, it's, I, I'm just going to say it. People probably think I'm fucking nuts, but um, uh, I don't, I don't have cravings. I, 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 I just don't. I have these, I have these little, like my wife just had some uh, work done on her teeth. Okay. And of course, I mean, she despises all pain medications because, because of me. Right. (laughs) Right. 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 Weird. Okay. Um, um, But, but, you know, she's got the pills. I mean, okay, they're there. I, I, I just don't care. But this morning I'm sitting outside in my patio, I'm having coffee and yeah, and it's not that I was feeling squirrely. I was feeling overwhelmed mm-hmm. by just some business stuff that's that's going on, you know. Yeah. And and I and and again, this is going to sound maybe a little weird to people, but I don't care. I, I all of a sudden there's there's a, there's a singer named Jordan Smith. I don't know if you've you've heard of this guy, and he say I, I love the song Mary. Did you know? There are so many versions of Mary. Did you know? Um, it's, it's a faith-based song and this guy sings it like nobody's business, like, like I've never heard before. And as I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this and it just popped, the the, the song just popped up. All of a sudden I, everything just went boom, just, just, just went down. The, the anxiety went down it all went down and and again that's that's kind that's my spiritual place that's where i go you know and and it all just went away and it was like hey <laughs> you you don't you don't have anything to worry about here dude you know even though there's yeah, worries off to the side shift right it, it was it was and i mean that shift i mean the the minute the song started everything shifted to the for yeah. the better well, yeah, I think it's that, that. Music is so powerful. So powerful. Yeah. yeah. I, I just created this uh, 30 tips for 30 days. You know, it's like how to quit drinking. There's 30 tips for your first 30 days. And the second or third tip was create an empowerment playlist because I feel like there's that old saying, I forget who says it, but it's uh, music speaks where words fail. Mm-hmm. And there's something about music that can just strike to the core of us. Like you were saying, it just set you right quickly, so fast. You know, when you can't get someone on the phone, when reading something spiritual or something inspirational doesn't do it for you, music, music will, sm- that's part of the motion management. It just smooth things over, puts things right into perspective. Oh, absolutely, it does. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. This is the the, the 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 song. Obviously, is Mary. Did you know? And his name's Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith. I'm gonna look it up. It sounds really familiar, but I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, there's a there's there's another faith based singer. I don't know if you've heard him, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and and so when I was when I was in uh, the Betty Ford Center, I mean, there's there's a few. I mean, I love most of his music. Um, but there was 
couple songs in particular that literally got me through like that first two to three weeks, you know, that I was, oh, that yeah. I was there. And, um, and he came to Fresno about five years ago. And if you notice in my office, I've got pictures of, of, with me and him. And I went right up to, I, cause I don't care. I'll walk up to anybody. And I walked right up to him after, after the show and, and, um, uh, and, and, and I told him, I said, you know, your, you and your music was, was, was instrumental, you know, in, in my early recovery. And he just, I mean, he lost it, you know, right on the spot. Yeah. It was, it was, it was really cool, you yeah. know, but yeah, I mean, music just has that power that I think most people, you know, a lot of people need to listen to more of it, to be honest. You know what, you know what did it for me? My first 30 days, this was a long time ago, but there was a band called Enigma, yeah. And there was a song called A Return to Innocence. Mm-hmm. Don't be don't be too proud to be strong. Uh, don't be afraid to be weak. Uh, I mean, it was it just I listened to it on repeat for a long time. But it was sort of like the paradox of recovery. It's like it actually requires a lot of strength and courage to get sober. Sure. Maybe yes. some people perceive it as weakness, but it's really an act of strength to seek help. You know, and it's this return, it's a return to who we really are. It's a shedding of things that no longer serve us. That is the return to innocence. And that's what, to me, recovery was about for me. It wasn't that I developed into my ideal future self. You know, you see a lot of that. And and, and I kind of like that idea. It can be useful. But really, it was about returning to who I really was Mm -hmm. without all the survival skills that were no longer serving me. New Perceptions North, the premier drug and alcohol treatment and recovery center in Central California. A full continuum of medically supervised top quality care with programs for detox and patient residential treatment with dual diagnosis, intensive outpatient treatment, sober living support groups, and more. New Perceptions North provides adult men and women with the highest caliber of professional health care, treating each client with compassion and respect in a safe, comfortable environment to begin the process of recovery to proudly create and sustain a life without addiction. Call 559-978-1507 or visit newperceptionsnorth.com. For me, it was uh, Jeremy Camp, faith-based artist, and his song, Take My Life, because it was was a rockin' song, which was kind of unusual for, you know, some of it, and I heard that, and it really, for me, it was about helping that surrender part. Mm -hmm. Like, Uh I gotta gotta turn this out, like, I'm getting chills just remembering, thinking back to the feelings I had, like, I don't know what it means to turn it over, I don't know how to do that, and hearing that song, it was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in my arms, just. I feel like the turning it over thing is uh, finding something else to do while you wait. (laughs) Like, Mm. like, in the sense of, um, you know, uh, surrendering was like, okay, I'm not going to do the things I used to do. So I need to find something else to do instead. That's kind of along the sufficient substitute. But it was like, okay, it's so much easier to surrender when you know what you are supposed to do instead, what's going to re- take its place. And um, yeah, this surrender doesn't mean you don't do anything. Right. And surrender doesn't mean you're weak. Oh, no, it's so hard. I mean, listen, letting go is so hard, but we do it when we have something better. And that's the trick is we need something better. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and talking about surrender, like, you know, we were kind of pre-discussing folks maybe being deterred by going to 12-step programs. And I know through your work and you've been podcasting longer than myself and this young buck. So you've kind of heard every story of of people just, I don't know. No, I'm not doing that. And of course, I always hear through me with my experience, tell me what you, Flint, is but, well, I don't want to be a part of any religion. And it's like, huh? that was it was so funny is, OK, so I'm writing this book called A 12 Step Guide for Skeptics. Right. People are very skeptical. And there's usually a few reasons that people give for not wanting to go. One is and I wrote a few. I thought we'd address like the major ones. It's like not admit. I don't want to admit I'm an alcoholic. Right. Um, it's a religious program or dare I say cult. People, <sighs> people love to throw that four letter word around. Um, people also struggle with the idea of powerlessness and unmanageability because a lot of people are, you know, are claiming they haven't hit a rock bottom. There's this idea that you have to hit a rock bottom before you can change. And I, I would argue that I, I don't, I think the rock bottom is when you stop digging, but I'm sure you guys have some yep. ideas about that. I think the funniest one is I don't have time. You hear you hear that a lot. <laughs> it's like, are you are you kidding me? You realize when you quit drinking, you have you will have more time than you yep. want to do with. Right. So, yeah. So Agreed. I don't know if you want to tackle the first one is uh, admitting I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I just I just never had a problem with that at all. I mean, it, it's like I mean, I, I mean, OK, I, I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. I mean, OK, what's what's the, what's the big deal? I, I mean, gee, you don't think I am one. You're the ones that are screwed up. OK, if, if you don't think that I'm a, a drunk and an alcoholic. I mean, I, I don't get that one. I really, really don't. Well, sure you do. I'm going to challenge you there because okay. you I, I know you have met people who have their shit together. They haven't lost a job. They, yeah. they haven't lost a marriage. They're not sick. They're like, I don't think I need this. The same, that's for those people who are really sick. So I just did an interview with a gal that talks about high functioning alcoholics. And, um, and again, it's like they, they, um, they have a problem admitting that there is a problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they, yeah, they do. So, you know, the idea is, you know, that we want to meet people where they're at. And so that's when I think the question has not, the question has not been answered, which is, can I moderate? Mm. Some people are really stuck on the idea of, can I moderate? And I think that's a very important question to answer. I I was like you when I, when I got sober, when I finally showed up day, it took me two years of experimenting with moderation. I didn't know that that's what I was doing, but it took me two years of mo- trying to moderate before I finally came to the conclusion of like, I can't, I can't do this. Right. Same. Same. Yeah. And so whether you call it alcoholic or you're on the spectrum of alcohol use disorder, or you just want to be alcohol free, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's. That's the decision. That's the question you have to answer is, am can I moderate? Yeah. Well, I look, I, I, I think this, I look, I know, I know a lot of people in, in, in my age bracket and, and probably a little bit younger that, um, uh, in my opinion, yeah, they're, they're alcoholics. Okay. There's, there's, there's no question there. There's no question about it. Right. 
but you you said something extremely important. When you have somebody that is a professional, no. that is still married, that mm-hmm. um, is highly highly respected in one's field, mm-hmm. and it has not from the let's put it this way from the outside looking in, it has not yeah. affected his or her life. Um, yeah. My, what, what, when I'm talking to these people, I, I have I, I say just a couple of things. And one is, um, do you understand how progressive this disease is? That's that's the question I ask them, because when you're talking to somebody that is older, that, again, is professional, it's not affecting their life, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to convince them. And I don't try to convince anybody that somebody's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. right? No. But again, I get that point across that I hope you understand, or do you understand that this is a progressive disease? And as and, a, and if it's a close friend, I can say, I can see it progressing in you. I can see the amount of of what you're drinking now as opposed to what you were drinking six months ago or a year ago. You know, your some of your behavior is a little screwy, whatever whatever the case may be. That's the point I try to get across to them. And 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 you said something about the the rock bottom thing. And I'm a firm believer that rock bottom is the grave. We always have 10 more feet to dig. Always. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times, and again, I'm not going to speak for, for you guys, I can speak for myself, but how many times when you looked at me from the outside in, somebody's going, my God, how much more bottom does this guy got to hit? And then I'd go right back at it again and keep digging that hole, hell, halfway to China, you know? Yeah. So to, to me, that 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 rock bottom is, is, is when they close the casket and, and throw the last bit of dirt over me. Yeah, that's that's it. That's a pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. No, but uh there's an idea that uh you know, it's comparison. It's I'm not that bad. Mm-hmm. But really what we want to compare is, you know, I I just bagged on the ideal future self, but this is where that kind of comes in handy. It's like, who do I really want to be? Who am I? How do I want to spend my time? Uh, who do I want to be? And typically those you know, that person isn't somebody who has to do certain things like drink or do drugs or behave a certain way and hurt the ones we, I mean, there's reason, typically we're having this conversation because there is a problem. And so um, what happens on the other side of that problem? You know, what is the benefit? It's not necessarily, I don't like to think about what are we losing, but what are we going to gain? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could even be, I mean, pain is a greater motivator than, um, you know, like the, the stick is always more powerful than the carrot. Um, so it is important to sort of list the reasons why, right. right. And, and have that list handy, but it's also who's going to benefit from me being sober, yep. right. Is it my husband? Is it my kids? Is it the people I care about? Do I want to have a positive effect uh, and positive impact on the world. Like what could my life be? What is my purpose? Yeah. You know? So I think a balance of both of those things, um, can override a commitment to a lifestyle that I don't even like. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was, when we were, when you two were talking, I was thinking of a, a family that I know 
three brothers, uh, all drinkers. Uh, one of them a pretty prominent individual who's gone up through law enforcement to working in government and all these things. And so they're one of the brothers, he's no longer here due to it, but I could see the whole denial thing. And one of the two brothers, the one that is wasn't in law enforcement, I remember an instance of seeing his kids sitting on a street outside of a bar where I live and asking like, Where's your mom? Oh, we're with our dad today. Where is he? Oh, he he went inside to have a couple drinks with friends. This is during Christmas. The the, the parade mm-hmm. had just ended. And so when you see it as like a cultural thing, oh, you know, everybody I know for me, everybody I was surrounded with just thought, oh, this guy can just put it away. Most people didn't realize I had a problem. My family, yes. Uh, my kids, in retrospect, now that they understand, yes. So it wasn't that it was evident to everybody. And these guys, because they're, quote unquote, so driven and successful, I don't think they're ever going to take a look at how selfish they are because all the bills are paid. They continue to climb up the ladder. They get big contracts, whatever it is. I, I just don't think they'll ever take a reflection and get out of any kind of subconscious living and really reflect like, like, uh, oh, well, um, that relationship ended. I'll just find another younger gal. You know what I'm saying? And and they are prominent for these this turnover that lasts about two and a half, three years at most of these relationships and over and over. And I just don't think they'll ever take a look at life that way to really reflect and go, huh, I, I don't like this. Because from the outside, it appears fun, right? Oh, they're always out having a good time. You're in your 50s dating women in their early 30s. Well, look at you. And, you know, so... Yeah, I just I think some people don't have that ability or desire to ever get out of a subconscious way of living. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm with you guys. Like I don't I am not in the business of trying to convince somebody. Like that's right. I, I there are plenty of people who actually want to quit. Those that's where I spend my time. Is I spend my time on the people who who want to quit and are struggling. Like that's a worthy endeavor for me. Otherwise it's a waste of time. You know, maybe you have somebody in your life that you, you can do, um, have an honest conversation with, um, but the timing of those conversations are really important. You know, it's not during the evening when everything is going great. It's, it's at 8am when like, how long do you want to keep doing this? Right. It's, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not really, I don't really focus my energy on those, on those people. I'm, I'm interested in the people who are actively looking to change and just need to know how. And, you know, obviously rehab and 12 steps are, you know, one of the answers that one of the first solutions that, that are brought, but just because it's been in our culture for so long, you know, so, um, but then they bump up against things like, uh, it's a religious program. And I'll just share that, uh, my son, my son's college, uh, roommate, um, you know, she came over to the house for, you know, a, a holiday dinner or whatever, excuse me, she's, a uh, from another country. And I mentioned to her that, you know, I, I don't know how it came up, but that I was sober and, um, and I did it through a 12 step program. She goes, Oh, isn't that a religious program? And I just, Oh, it's like, no, it's not. It had it, it has its roots in the Christian religion, but it's actually not. And I think the problem is, is that it's hard to argue. It's not a religious program when they're saying, uh, the Lord's prayer at the end of meetings mm-hmm. or when some groups are, you know, will come right out. And so I've heard people say things like, uh, I, you know, I tried to go to this 12 step group, but they told me I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. Otherwise I couldn't attend that meeting. And I'm like, I, my head was almost exploded 
Um, like that is not that you will. So what I want to say to people is that the, it's really important to read the literature, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if it's hard to get to step two, which is where we talk about higher powers and what God is, it's hard to get to step two if you can't get past, you know, step one or yeah. something. <laughs> you know I, mean? I just try to tell people, look, hey, do you want to know what the most uh, successful, like, like actual data on successfulness for people to have long-term recovery? Sure. Tell me. Have a higher power. Be connected to a group of like-minded people. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You, you <laughs> know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like, okay, look, hey, I've got, Flint and I've talked about, I've, I've told you this, man, I tried a new meeting. I did not like it. Yeah. Well, guess what? That meeting wasn't for me. Doesn't mean the overall kind of program or whatever it is. It's right. just certain, you know. What I distinguish about the program, first of all, I don't care where you are in your recovery journey. The hill I will die on is the 12 steps are a worthy endeavor. I don't care. Hell, if yes, sober. they are. Yeah. If you've been, if, if you've been sober, uh, 30 years, or if, if you are planning on getting sober, it's a worthy exercise. It's not the only thing I've ever done. I've done many things, but I jumped in with both feet in the beginning and did the whole thing. And it was, and I've done it over and over again, because every time I go through it, I am a different person on the other end. So when I readdress the process of the steps, I get something different out of it because I'm different. Right. And so the, so the steps are amazing. The problem is in the fellowship. Mm. Oftentimes it's the people that determine whether somebody stays yep. or goes. It, but what what um, I would encourage people to do is to go to aa.org and read what it says about things like medication. Like that's one of the things I've heard is like, oh, I can't do 12 set because I'm on psychoactive medication. And I was like, pamphlet 11 specifically says that they do not have an opinion. Alcoholics Anonymous does not have an opinion on whether you take drugs or not. Psychoactive medication, that's between you, your doctor, your sponsor, your higher power. Uh, that's, that's, they don't have an opinion. They, they, they give examples of people who took their, who took medication with disastrous results. That's their wording. They have examples and case studies of people who who did and who didn't take their medication with with poor outcomes. So it really just depends. It depends. And that's what a lot of recovery is. It kind of just depends. It kind of depends on you and your situation. But I just I separate the program from the people. And I, I will tell you that I have met the most amazing like they talk about unique and priceless friendships. I mean, come on. I think the thing is, it's like, you know, we have this negativity bias. It's like you can get a hundred compliments from someone or from people. And then you get one person who says something shitty. And what do we do? We focus on that one thing. We have this negativity bias. And so you go to a meeting and you hear all these amazing things. And then one person pulls you aside and tells you some bullshit. And you're like, oh, fuck this program. Right. right. But it's not, it's not the program. It was just that asshole. Right. <laughs> they uh -huh. don't, it's not well, assholes, I, anonymous. <laughs> you know? I think one of the problems with, with is, is, is this. When when you start um, when you start talking about people, organizations like uh, Salvation Army and Teen Challenge, and some of these programs that are definitely faith based, 
mm-hmm. that there are also programs where you cannot take medication in those places. You cannot take blood pressure medication. You cannot take uh, psychotropic drugs. So what? when, no, you cannot. All right. They can, because they don't wow. have the licensing for it. That's the problem. They, so when you go incredibly dangerous, you think I, I, I mean, so, so what happens is these, these people will go into, let's say teen challenge. And again, teen challenge just isn't for teens. It's for, it's for every age group, every mm-hmm. single age group and teen challenges all over the world, by the way. Yeah. But when you go in there and if you're an opiate addict, if you're an alcoholic, I don't care what you are, there are no detox drugs available. And if you are taking any type of psychotropic, if you're taking any type of antidepressant, you cannot take them there because again, they don't have the licensing. So when somebody gets, let's say gets kicked out of there because they can't handle the detox, which I don't blame them, that individual normally will start blaming the AA system, the 12-step system, because that's the experience that they got. Oh, you're so we're conf- all right, it sounds I'm I may be confusing the two, but you're you're talking about Teen Challenge, which is not a 12-step program. It it it, it is a 12-step program. They 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 adhere to the 12 steps. It's a faith-based, 12-step based oh, but it's not, program. It's not alcoholics anonymous. Right. It is not Alcoholics Anonymous, but people okay. associate that with Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't I did not know that. You bet you bet. One of my biggest bitches over all these years. I mean, wow. look, have 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 uh, uh, Teen Challenge and and uh, Salvation Army and some of these other places done some wonderful things for people? Absolutely they have. No question about it. But as 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 a rule, you can't you, you can't take that stuff, you, you, and it, and to me it's criminal. So almost. you're saying that so so I could see what you're saying that people are they instead of going to straight to like AA, they go to Teen Challenge and then they're introduced to the twelve steps through Teen Challenge, but with like this filter of you you can't take your medication. Basically, yes. Wild. Right. I did not and know again, that. they're faith-based. So everything's based on God, Jesus Christ, right? And down the line, that's 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 what they base everything on. Yeah, which again I got, is I got no beef with that. And I have absolutely no beef with that one whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. But again, when you're no matter what drug you are taking, there's no reason. I'm going to say something else here too. There's no reason on God's green earth that you should have to suffer through your detox because right. a, a it's, I think it's medically incompetent for, yeah. for, for, for these people to even. So, so when you call teen challenge, sure, we detox, come on in. Well, they're detoxing with aspirin. Okay. Or, 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 or maybe, I don't know, or maybe some, maybe some, you know, plant-based so over the over the counter, over the, over, counter over stuff. the counters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, so the majority, no, yeah. I don't want to say the majority cause I don't know the, all the numbers correctly, but there is a vast, huge number of people, especially that, that 18 to 30 year old, right. That's, 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 you know, hitting the streets with fentanyl or whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. hell they bolt. And now the, now the whole blame thing comes in. It's the program's fault. It says, and you know what? There's, there's, there's some truth to it. 
If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, please call Pain Parents and Addicts in Need at 559-579-1551 or visit us online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Pain Nonprofit. And please subscribe to the Don't Hide the Scars podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And if you would like to donate to Pain, Parents and Addicts in Need, please click the link in the description to make your tax-deductible donation today and help us save more lives gripped by addiction. That's where the the people get involved, right? So I'll, I'll just, yes. you know, maintain my stance that the program and the people are two separate components. They're they're intended to work together, but they don't always work together. Correct. So that's why I really encourage people to read the literature and find out what the official stance of Alcoholics Anonymous is, for instance, what what their position is on things like medication and religion and right. And that and those types of things. Right. You know, Arlene, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one more thing on that because because again, I am a huge AA believer. Okay. Me too. Me too. But when I first started this organization, I and and I started our parent support group and and some recovery groups. This was 2010. There was a gentleman who was a pastor who was on my original board of directors. And he said, hey, come on out and use our church if you want to start these meetings for recovery and, and, and for parents. I said, great. So, you know, when you're starting these things, nobody shows up. I mean, it could be six months before somebody <laughs> walks through the door. Yeah, so yeah. I, right. So I'm there every Wednesday night. And, and I had this, this, this other lady that would, would come with me on occasion. And so I'm sitting there one night. And all of a sudden I'm reading and all the, nobody's there. And all of a sudden I look up, there's a guy standing at the door. And, um, and I look up, I go, how you doing? And he goes, he goes, uh, who are you? And I go, okay, now, now, now automatically with me, red flag goes right, right up. Right. I said, uh, well, I said, I'm Flint Anderson. I go, who are you? And he said, I'm so-and-so I'm Bob. So-and-so I said, Hey, Bob, he goes, you know, he said, uh, it took us nine months to get into this church, to get a place. And I'm with, and I'm with, uh, and I run the AA meeting here. Uh, it took you two weeks. This is the gospel truth. I'm telling you. I said, well, I said, just so happens that the, one of the pastors of this church is on my board of directors and he's allowing me to use, use this room. He goes, I'm keeping my eye on you. And I look at this guy okay. and I go, okay, Bob, I go, I go, you're keeping an eye on me. I said, may I ask what for now I'm turning into instant smart ass. Okay. Yeah, with the guy. Of course. He says, he said, yeah. I'm here to make sure you don't hurt any kids. What? The people that, are so weird. This, this tr true story. And at that point, my friend, the lady friend, her name was Robin. She walks in now. Robin was 60 at the time. Okay. Uh -huh. So, so she walks in, she says, hello, he doesn't say anything. So, <clears throat> because this will come back. So I look at this guy and I go, Hey, Bob, I go, here's, here's one of my card. Here's my pamphlet here. You know, here's who we are. He says, I don't care about that. He said, I, I'm here to watch you. And I looked at him and I said, Bob, I said, now my voice changed, my demeanor changed. And I said, Bob, it's time for you to get your ass out of this room. <laughs> I said, and in the story, Bob, 
All right. And I'll get yeah. back to you. So the next day I get a call from my pastor friend and he said, Flint, were you, were you uh, uh, working with an underage female alone last night in there? And I went, excuse me? He said, well, yeah, this guy that runs the AA group said that, that, that you were doing that. I said, wow. let me, I said, let me tell you something. So-and-so Mr. Pastor, I said, here's what's going to happen. I said, you're going to tell this guy to cease and desist right now, or I'm going to have every attorney that's on my board of directors crawl up his ass with a microscope. Okay. And I'm going to find out everything about this guy and I'm going to bring it all to light. I said, that's the first thing I'm going to do. I said, the second thing I'm going to do is I want to thank you for allowing us to use this room here. I said, but I'm out. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not even going to, I'm not even, I don't even want to go down that road. I said, I will, if I have to. I said, so I called another pastor friend of mine and we were at their place the, the, the following week and we were there for like 10 years, you know? So, <laughs> But the point here with all of that, all right, is that some, AA, it's the people because, because they can be, they can be assholes. They, 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 they have their, their idea of what AA is instead of what it truly is. I've been mm -hmm. to those meetings. I've been, I'm like you, I've been around this shit a long time, you know? Yeah. If they just if they just stood for and believed in and did what they were supposed to do and follow the rules of AA, I'm, I'm, I'm still, just saying. I'm yeah. still wondering about this lady that was 60 that looked like she. That's was what she, that's, that's what Robin said. She goes, "Wow." She goes, "I guess I look pretty good." <laughs> but I think it, I, I think it's where some of our shortcomings, defects, whatever, where people think they're the message as opposed to being a messenger. You know what I mean oh, by that? Point. They yeah. become a little bit arrogant yeah, I, and, you know, yeah, like right. the all knowing. And it's like, yeah. look, this ain't a competition. This right. is about fucking helping people. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Like I quote, misquote Listen. the big book sometimes. I I don't mean to, but I get the gist, you know, or it's like, I'm a human. Yeah. I mean, I get why people are so passionate and they kind of have like this, uh, this way is the only way mentality, you know, I, you know, and I try to come at this from a, from a place of compassion. Um, if you've been around any length of time, you see people die. You know, if you're if you've yeah. been in the world of addiction, you've seen your friends die, and so it's um, not unreasonable to be afraid and to right. be vigilant. And so I get it, I really do. Um, so, but you know, it's um, it's important that. Uh, that we stick to the principle is principles before personalities and, and things like that. And it's important to separate the, the people from the program because the, and it, you know, let's, let's be real. It's, it's not the hotbed of mental health, right? We go there because right. where we have some issues and that's where people with, uh, I, I mean, I would consider myself one of those people who, you know, shut up with a lot of mental health issues and mm. maladapted coping skills. And so I was placed into a room where I had the opportunity to practice with other people mm. that were kind of in the same boat and, you know, and it was a good thing. So I'll say it's a challenging experience at times, but it was good because the people that challenged me either changed my mind or they reinforced what I already believed to be true. Mm -hmm. So either way, it was good. And I, you know, the, the those people who are challenging 
are the exception rather than the rule. Like I have met people who were so such gifted speakers. Like I'd go to a meeting and there were the, these in California. I don't know if it, if this is like this where you're at or people listening, their meetings, the formats are all different, but I'd go to meetings where people get called on. And so, yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of meetings are like volunteer, like I'm in Idaho now and it's volunteer. So the room can be quiet and then you just wait for the spirit to move you and people start popping off sometimes at the same. It's really weird. I, I'm not a fan, but um, the people that get called on all the time get really good at yeah. public speaking and some people are gifted yeah. and people, there are some people who have the ability to make you laugh and cry all within the same share and and so those are the people that really made the meetings for me and yeah. i could go and it was a for me it was a great place to go and see my friends on a regular basis and sort of be current with a bunch of people because you know when the shit hits the fan as it as it will i had access to a dozen people that i could mm. talk to that i was already current with mm. so i don't i you know i don't want to be so heavily focused on you know some of the people are challenging but it's just sort of like an awareness i definitely address that in the book that you know the people can be challenging sometimes but that is not a reason to give up on the entire program yeah, correct i remember i remember one time i was i you know this story i was speaking at an aa meeting this is years ago this is before i started this and um and i got and I got up there and um, I was, I said, hey, you know, how many newcomers, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I said, fantastic. I'm glad, I'm glad you're all here. I said, um, I said, listen, I, I, I said in that first 30 days to 60 days, I said, if, if you want to work, because we were talking about higher power. I said, and if you want to worship mm -hmm. that doorknob, all right, or the, or the, or the, or the hanger that's on the coat rack over there. All right. And if you want to worship that, and that's going to get you through your first 30 or 60 days, I said, I have no problem with that. I said, but if you're worshiping that doorknob af after 60 days and into your recovery, I said, you're fucked. <laughs> I said, because that is an inanimate object that's going to do nothing for you. I said, and, 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 <laughs> needless to say, I was never come back to ask to speak at that AA meeting again. All right. That's but, weird. <laughs> but 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 it's something I believed in. You know, it was it was yeah. like no, I, I'm I'm sorry. You know, you know, if you if you truly want recovery, you have to have something of substance here that you need to believe in. Again, it could be a different God. It could be a different whatever. Uh, that's that's fine. That's your choice. I'm not your judge by any means. But 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 a rock. Yeah, that's a, that's problematic. And you know, I um, had a fair amount of religious trauma when I showed up, so mm -hmm. I couldn't go back to the religious god of my childhood. I needed, mm -hmm. a, so I I had a sponsor. You know, first we had to get past one step one, which was that I was powerless over alcohol. And I think that's a big. I just want to call that idea of powerlessness out because yeah. that is one of the biggest barriers. It's like people read step one, they go, well, I think I still have a little bit of power. Like my life is not unmanageable. Or so, but what, what I um, call out is that it's powerless over alcohol. People like to skip over the alcohol part and say, and just say that I'm not powerless. And um, I would argue that everybody is powerless over alcohol in the sense that alcohol, when consumed, it's both uh, liquid soluble and fat soluble, meaning it can it permeates every cell of your body and it kicks off a chemical reaction, a process, if you will, 
that begins to, um, you know, relax the prefrontal cortex, like it has a physiological effect on your body when you consume it. That's why people do it. That's right. It is a Makes you very feel predictable, good. very predictable cause and effect, very sciencey, right? There's, it's very clear. Right. And so the, that's what I would argue that it's not powerless over everything. It's powerless right. over alcohol that when you ingest it and for people like us, the issue is about what happens after we start drinking, yep. right? Like I, I could maybe hide my drinking, but I couldn't hide the person that it turned me into. Right. Or um, I couldn't, once I started drinking, I had no control over when I would stop. Like I was a binge drinker. I didn't drink every day, but when I drank, oh my goodness. Like I remember the immediate feeling after the first drink was more. I just wanted right. more, right? Mm -hmm. Just more, and and so that's that's what happens to me when I that I am powerless over alcohol. Once I start drinking, I cannot predict what's going to happen after that. Right. And it's not like I can. The interesting thing about alcohol is once you begin to consume it, you don't have control of your faculties anymore. Right. Right. You don't. All your faculties are diminished. Your right. your speech changes, your vision changes, your eye-hand coordination changes. We become what's called inebriated. We are incapacitated. And so that that's that I kind of like to focus on that aspect of it, just the real basic science, because it's impersonal. If we focus on scientific facts, that's impersonal. It doesn't have anything to do with like my ego doesn't get inflamed when they say you have a problem with alcohol or you're powerless. It's like, well, that's bullshit. Everybody is. You know? so, so that's kind of the the first thing I like to tackle when it comes to, you know, that's in step one, but then step two about you know, coming back to sort of like the idea of, is it a religious program? I, I'm not, I, I just can make no bones about it, that if you are of the Christian faith, this will be easier for you. hundred yep. percent. Yep. This will be easier for you if you're already sort of in alignment with that. But if you're not, I know people who are atheists who get sober. I just interviewed a guy, uh, his episode's coming out tomorrow, who's 37 years sober. And I asked him about his heart and he's like, yeah, I just, you know, I kind of skipped that part. He like just didn't like he relied on, you know, for me, you know, God for him, like my interpretation of his experience is God is a, a group of drunks. You know, it's just he yeah. relies on the fellowship. He found people that he could rely on that together we are more powerful than we are alone. Mm -hmm. Right. Like when I'm all emotionally all aflame, you know, I am no longer objective about emotion will color my experience. I am no longer objective because I'm emotional. Well, I could call Jason and be like, Jason, this is what happened. And because he is not emotional about my situation, he has clarity and perspective and he can offer me solutions that I can't see. And the example I always give, it's like, if you have a friend that calls you about their, you know, I, I would have a girlfriend that would call me to, to complain about her boyfriend. And I'm like, I can be object. I know exactly what she needs to do. Because I'm not emotional about her experience, right? And she could do the same for me. The thing is, is that we're not all crazy at the same time. We're not all like triggered at the same time. And so that is that when we are together, like we are more powerful than I'm, I am alone. And that's kind of how I get past those moments when I'm super triggered. So for me, that's how it started out for me is that God showed up with skin on it. Right. And that's just how I started and was able to sort of uh, start with this idea of 
like scientific laws. Like for me, uh, in the beginning, God was law. It was like cause and effect. If I don't drink, then I have a different, if I do drink, then I have a predictable response. If I called a friend first, then my behavior, I would have a different response. If I exercised first, then I, you know, mood follows action, right? I would take an action and I would have a different mood. Right. right. And that's how, how I began to regulate my emotions. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, but, it, and then, and then I was able to receive a more spiritual solution, an idea. Like once, once I found a little bit of foundation and safety, once I felt safe, then I could open my mind to wait a minute, maybe there's more available mm -hmm. to me than just, you know, working through people. So that's kind of how I got through the whole religious part. Mm -hmm. I think so much of it is just plain old fear. Like it's predictable. Yeah. Like for us three to have stayed in our addiction, it would have been pretty predictable. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I do, I see it that way. And I sure. think it's a lot of that fear of like, oh my gosh, so much of my life is going to have to change. I think there's that realization. I know it was for me like, Ooh, I tried white knuckling. I tried moderation. I tried this, I tried that everything, but you know, medication, I know there's different ones out there that, you know, it, I forget if it just inhibits the dopamine when you drink or whatever it is, makes it less appealing. I can't think of the name of it. You guys might know offhand, but there's, a, there's a few. Yeah. yeah. A few. And, um, you know, I went every route, but that, and then realization of fear, like, oh my gosh, my, what I thought was my social circle is going to change. And it did. And those people went away for the most yeah. part, the real genuine friends stuck around and mm -hmm. they did, you know, I'm proud of you. The people that went, are you sure you got a problem? They went away really quick. Because <laughs> if they yeah. looked at that, then they might have to go, oh, shit, I got a problem too. Um, you know, so I think it's so much of it is just sitting in in fear. Like I was incredibly afraid. And, and for me, it wasn't, I've talked about this. It's not that I didn't believe in a higher power. It's just believing in one that loved and had purpose for me. Right. And so I had to embrace with the, in my character defect of being worthy, of being loved, and also accepting God's will as I see it that, hey, there's, you know, like right now, there's some challenging things going on, but eh, God's trying to guide me for a lesson here for whatever reason, and mm -hmm. it's not in my time. It's in somebody else's time. Like, I'm the worst guy to be like, hi, I'm an atheist. Will you help me in 12 steps? No, because I'm going to refute how you're not really quick. <laughs> like that guy, <laughs> you know, you're not really I, I don't, I don't believe in a higher power, but I connect with these people. Yeah. So you connect with these people that all believe in a higher power and let it flow through them. And now you're connected to them. Huh? <laughs> See, I'm the dick there. Like, yeah. Listen, I I argue. I always argue that too because I think I feel like for me at the end of the day, God is about the energy of love, and energy is something that we all believe in. Like, we it, that's actually not a belief. Like, here's the thing about facts and science is that you do, it doesn't require faith, right? right? And, and so a lot of times it's about just how you define what you know. People say God. Typically, people have a problem with God. They have a problem with somebody else's God, yeah. right? And, and so, I, I I would suggest that you can you can uh, disagree. Like those ideas, you don't have; those aren't yours. Like you need to come up with something that makes sense to you. And for me, I needed something that made sense. It had to make sense to me. And I think one of my favorite definitions of God I got from Carolyn Mace, which was that God was law, the 
that God was also personal. And I still struggle with the personal part, but I tell you what, I have enough evidence over the last 30 years that when I have asked for help, help comes, help comes. All I have to do is ask, I, you know, and, and I, I don't even need to know what I, what it is that I'm asking, but there is something about the energy that shifts inside me. God isn't outside of me in my mind. It's inside of me. Like I am a part of all, like there is something about my thoughts and my feelings that have an effect on my outside world. And if I'm in that place of like open to receiving help, I'm really tapping into this energy, like, like a science-y kind of energy, like it all needs to make sense to me. Right. And so when I, when I open my heart and my mind, something happens on the inside that has an outside effect. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. For, for me, it was, I didn't have faith. I, I was confused about what God was. I had been asking God to change me my whole life. And I never felt like God came to rescue me. Like a bunch of bad stuff happened. And I was like, what, what the, what the fuck God, like, where were you when I needed you? And, well, and what, the problem and, that see that that's the problem. Okay. I, I, I've been listening yeah. to you guys and, and you're, and you're talking about some great stuff here, but, but I can simplify this. When I pray to God for wisdom, he gives me problems to solve. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't pray for patience anymore. Right. <laughs> exactly. That, and, yeah. that, and, and, that, and that's, but yeah, you pray for patience. Whoa. He's going to load you up. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's so many, and again, I'm not putting any of these people down because I've been through that same scenario. Everybody, yeah. I, I think a lot of people assume that once that if you start believing in God, or even if you don't, but you want to, and you're asking him to do things, that he's just automatically going to come in and rescue your ass from all the surrounding stuff, from all the actions that you that you that you gave. You know, there 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 are still consequences to those to our actions. Those those yeah. consequences could be. Mike, I had consequences to my addiction probably up until yesterday. All right, I mean, there's always a consequence to our past and what we did it's yeah. it what he's doing for me is he's teaching me how to deal with those mm -hmm. that's what that's what he's teaching me is how to deal with those situations you know lord can you yes i'm gonna this is a bit this was a big one for me that i had to learn did god take away my addiction yeah he did did he take away the withdrawal symptoms not on your life I still had to go through withdrawal symptoms. I still had to go through the mess, all right? In order to get to the point where now I understand what God was doing. And that's the faith part of it. That you that 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 I have to have enough faith to believe that that almost believe in the end game. You know, people can ask, you know, you know, why is there a war in the Middle East? Why is God allowing this? Well, first of all, it's biblical. Secondly, all right, God didn't start this war. And again, I'm not getting into the war piece of it, but but you have to understand what God is doing in one's life. And sometimes he's just not going to go, oh, everything's just roses now. So that doesn't work that way. My opinion. Yeah. No, see, this is a great example of how different mindsets can still lead to the same result. Like you and I are both sober and right. I don't believe the way you do. I, I don't call God a he it's, it's to me, it's like, God doesn't have a gender. 
So I, I always bristle that. That was one of the first things when I showed up to the rooms when everything, he, this, he, that I was like, I had to like choke it down. Like that, that never made any sense to me. And this idea like of a higher power testing me or, you know, like that, that whole paradigm, like I just needed to find something that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what makes sense to me is that I'm at the cause of life. I'm not at the effect of it. Mm -hmm. Like it's in, it's in, and I can ask for guidance, which comes inside. Like when I ask for guidance and help, and I do pray for clear signs because I'm easily confused, right? It's like, are you sure? Are you <laughs> sure that this is the thing? Because this is not what I want to do. But um, it and it's and it's tricky. But my my compass is internal, and it's a gut check, and it's usually the still small voice. You know, the ego speaks first, and the ego speaks loudest. And so sometimes I just need to wait for the noise to calm down before I can hear, you know, when the fear dies down, then I can follow my internal compass, which is generally uh, whatever end result leads in peace. It's the peace. You know, I had, a, I'll just give you an example. I was just having a struggle with a friendship and I was like, I don't know what to do with this friendship because there's, there's a lot of, you know, I'm a very loyal person and I don't give up on people that yet this relationship was no longer working. And, and, and I had, to, I had to really, it took me a long time to, and I had to pray for clear signs. And when I made the hard choice to, um, to let this person go and to end contact, my result was peace. And that's how I knew I made the right decision. But it took me a long time because I have beliefs that you don't give up on people and that everybody is self, you know, is, but it's not my job to save everybody. But so that's kind of how it works for me. It's like this internal, pro I do ask for help, you know, and I'm really not sure what I'm, but I don't think that there is like um, a grand plan for my life. Do I feel like I can live to a higher purpose and have a, a a bigger impact? Absolutely. But it's more about me becoming who I really, when I am who I really am. And that, you know, you could say that, that the person that God made me, then I, by definition, um, if I follow my heart, then I am leading in accordance to what I, what was meant to be. Mm -hmm. So that still small voice that you hear, what do you, who do you think, or what do you think that is? I think it's my higher power. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't, but I don't really, but you're, but uh, it's my understanding that you come from a religious background. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I get it. I get that paradigm, but I don't need, I don't need to make my way of thinking fit into that. I understand yeah. that. I understand Absolutely. that. Yeah. But see, but but, well, but, I, but I struggle with things like this. Okay. And and again, this is just a nice debate conversation that we have going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're right? all friends. Right? Ab Absolutely. Ab Absolutely. But it always, it always, I don't want to say amazes me. That's what you were going to say. Go ahead and but say But that's it. what I was going to say. But it amazes me yeah. when, when, when people talk about God and they they don't like the he part of it or uh, any of that. Well, and again, our only reference that I believe, right, would be biblical in the Bible. And there is nowhere in the word where it says it's an it 
or it's a she, because when you're talking about your father in heaven, it's, the, the, it's in the Lord's prayer, it's in everything. It's father in heaven, everywhere you look in that. So, so again, I wish I knew the Bible better, but there is uh, somebody, I, my memory, looking at 55, it's like my memory is not what it used to be, but there are examples of when um, there is a she reference, but that, no. but yeah, I'll there, find there, it. I'll find it fi for yeah, you. Yeah, because, because there, I'm sorry, there isn't. Yeah, there is. I'll find it for you. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to see that one. Yeah. I'll find it for you. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is interpretation. And so I think a lot of what didn't work for me is a lot of this information is interpretation by people, by men. So it wasn't, it wasn't really designed for women, you know, the mm -hmm. whole page. And that was, that's actually one of the reasons like people don't do 12 step is there's such a heavy uh, Christian influence that it's, it's, it permeates the literature. So mm -hmm. there's a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, there's, that's why there's organizations like she recovers that exist. Sure. Who, that focus on helping women recover because they're the they don't, especially people who are not religious, that don't really align with that whole mentality. Yeah. Well, and I think again, and back to that me, meeting them where they're at, anything that'll offer an open gateway for people just to grow and live a prosperous life. But I want to jump back and ask you, because I was sitting here thinking about this, like. What is the saying? You know, uh, I forget something. Da, 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 God prepared me. You know, so I don't. I don't look at trauma and and life the same as I used to. I look at it as preparation, and and with that and in gratitude and appreciation for it, I'm like, wow, I'm sitting here talking with two amazing people that have done amazing things with their life. That wouldn't have happened if every effing thing that occurred in my life didn't occur. And I'm here right now. And I think it's one of those things where people talk about the, well, being present. I was immediately present in my thoughts, feelings, actions, emotions, being all of it right then and there. So I think that's a thing that I've kind of been able to help people with a little bit to look inward and really search it. Like, you may not like yourself now, but there's going to come a time you do. And when you do, guess what? You're going to be like really cool with just how life has been. And you're going to just, you know, that's what the gratitude appreciation is is all about and the being present. You're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like if this was my last day, huh, one of my best friends, an amazing friend that I've made through recovery that, uh, you know, someday I still want to get tied <laughs> Not home. a bad it's way like, to spend your last day. Yeah. No, it's pre I think it's pretty cool. I, I am so grateful that I have an understanding that all of the trauma that I went through can be used for a greater purpose. Do I believe that um, a loving being set it up that way? I I, I don't know. I, that doesn't really align with my idea of what, you know, because there's this whole idea that people have free will and people are just going to do shitty things. Right. Yeah, it right? is. And and that's not, that's not a God thing. That's a people thing. Agreed. Right. And it's, and it's, and, and, I, it's, and it's not a God thing. Well, okay? and I didn't mean I mean, to... I'll be the first one to say it. That is, that is not a, we, we have free choice. We have free will to do whatever we want to do. Okay. God, God doesn't sit there. I mean, I, I look, I, I, he knows I've had thousands of surgeries on a, on a birth defect. Right. That, that, that I had that definitely shaped everything about my life. Okay. Everything you want trauma. I got plenty of it. All right. Was that God going, this is what I'm going to do to you. No, sorry. That's not what he did. Okay. What he's doing now is, is saying, use that. 
Yeah, use, that, use that to help that's others. That's what I meant. I didn't mean to come across right. like, oh, God, <laughs> you know my story. I know your <laughs> yeah. story. Like, like yeah. I'm gonna, no, I agree with you. It was people that were godless at the time or faithless, yeah. higher powerless, whatever you want to say that really it sick. was that. But I think with my exploration of what that means yes. to me, a higher power, then I was able to do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what look, and I think, yeah. all, and and look, my role again. I'm going to speak for you and Arlene. I know you just you just said it. My role is not is is simply this: is if somebody, I I don't preach here. Okay, I don't I don't care what anybody believes. That's that's not that's I'm not the judge here. Right, my call it our gift, call it whatever it is that we're now doing for people. I want to see them. I want to help them. I want them to get clean and sober. That's it. Period. Right now, I don't care if you hang a dead cat over your bed and and and, and practice voodoo. Okay, if it's, <laughs> you might a little bit. I might have a problem but, but, with but that. You, <laughs> but you know what? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. All right, yeah. Every, you know everything can't be just debated to death. I want to see that person get clean and sober sure. and I will, yeah. and I will, and I will help them any way I can. Yeah. If they discover a faith down the road, fantastic. More than likely, I'm not going to be that guy that leads you to it. But what I hope for is that if you want it and, and because of my faith, if you can see that faith working in me and that helps you by all means, by all means, I mean that's that's what that's what it comes down to. I feel like that's the spirit that's that it was intended for. You bet. Right? This openness, this this um energy that's rooted in love and support yep. and humility, frankly humility. You know, that's that's what helps people to feel safe. Right. You know, I never got the messages when people were talking down to me. Right. I got the messages from people who were in the trenches with me who understood how bad it felt to do the things that we were doing without a choice of whether we were going to do it or not. Like, right. you know, I often say that these people got my kind of crazy, but really what it was is pain recognizes pain. And, you know, through that compassion is how I relaxed into who I really am. And I was able to let go of the things that no longer serve me. And I'm with you, Flynn. I don't, I don't care how people do it. Right. You know, I, I have worked with, I typically work with women that are, you know, professional high achieving women, um, right. who don't have a lot of time or they are struggling with, you know, uh, traditional, uh, religion or faith sure. who, um, you know, they, we just need to meet people where they're at right. and, and, and truly all that matters is that we are helping to alleviate unnecessary suffering Correct. and there's. And there's really m many ways to do that. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is quitting is just the very beginning. It's it the is. beginning of something amazing. And as soon as we resolve the, the, the using, you know, we can stop. It's staying stopped is the tricky part, right? right. So once we sort of master the staying stop, that's when you can really you know, live to a higher purpose and be who you really are and be authentic and, and and do what you came to this planet to do. It wasn't right. to suffer. It really right. wasn't. Maybe maybe a little bit. I mean, I understand that some suffering um, and and um, fosters empathy. Mm -hmm. Really, and for me, that was the antidote to my shame. Was when when my shame was met with empathy. That's when it dissolved. 
mm-hmm. right? And that's that's all we're doing here, right? right? right. We're we're just uh, helping each other out, like and then and then we have like to have a good time, right? So it's just the very beginning. And what drives me though absolutely nuts is is and you said it, Arlena. You know when 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 somebody that's suffering when when they have people that have been where they are that have been in the trenches, that have been through this, all right? I I, I said it somewhere, I, I wrote it and posted it somewhere um, uh, uh, about just that, about, about the people that have been through it are the ones that can help the people the most. Yeah. When, when you have, when, when, what drives me crazy is when you have all these folks out there with good intentions, I have no problem with, with their intentions, but when they're talking about uh, when they're they're not in recovery themselves, they have no idea what it's about. They don't know anything about opioids. They know nothing about methamphetamine. They don't even know anything about alcohol. And they're giving their advice on har- long-term harm reduction and all these sort of different paths. All right. It's like, get out of my way. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just get out of my way because I'm going to run you over here any second. I love you. I love your passion for this. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm in, I'm with you. Like just because you have some credentials behind your name, it doesn't mean you're you have credibility. Like credentials don't necessarily give you credibility to people like us. Like I want right. to know that you know what it feels like. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One way, shape, yeah. or form. One way, shape, or form. Hmm. Yes, well, we sir. can keep going on and I on, <laughs> but I think, you know, Christmas is just around the corner and we don't want to, you know, talk for weeks on end. Uh, <laughs> we could talk till Christmas. Yeah. Oh, easily. Oh, easily. Uh, well, you know, hey, could just order some, oh, just, order some DoorDash. Just order DoorDash. Right. I'm going to bleep <laughs> that out because they don't sponsor on here. Um, when are we projecting that the, the book, when are you thinking you're going to want to be done and get this out? I'm really shooting for the first quarter of next year. Nice. I was hoping to have it done by the end of this year for dry January. Um, and and the book, you know, it's a little misleading. It, it, I, I will say that I do. I am such a 12-step advocate, but I recognize that it's not for everybody. And so, you know, the I'm currently on the epilogue, which is, you know, what has my life been like since then? But um yeah, there's, there's many paths. And so, you know, my thing is, is, you know, I do, I coach women who don't want to do, you know, 12 step or rehab. Right. Um, a, a lot of times I end up encouraging them to go, but there seems to be some work that needs to get done first sometimes, Sure. you know, especially women that are like busy. Prof- I, for some reason, I have a lot of doctors and lawyers. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're short on time. They want to get to the results quickly. So if people don't want to spend a lot of time looking for sponsors or the right meetings and things like that, there are other ways. So Arlena, let me ask you this. When you, um, when you're speaking with these folks and they come to you, uh, are they, are, are mostly, is it alcoholism? Yeah. It's all about quitting drinking. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. So, so do you re- do you refer to inpatient facilities because at, look at some point oh it de- yeah I mean listen the yeah. question number one is how much are you drinking how often right. like I'm 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 uh, ruling out for um, chemical dependency right mm. yeah so uh, I should have been clear about that um, if you're chemically dependent I I am not able I'm that I am not your person I'll be your person when you're I'll be your person when you're done 
Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, because no, I, I was just wondering because because you know, um, there's some places I could I could um, give to you that you could refer when somebody needs a medical detox for for I alcoholism. Yeah, you, you know, because that's dangerous it's, stuff. Yeah. It's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, that's the first thing I do is rule out for chemical for dependency. Cause I, I'm not trying to kill anybody. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No, we were talking last night. We were, uh, um, I live in an area Jason knows where it's called Christmas tree lane and it's been there for a hundred years on this street. And yeah, it's pretty amazing. Oh, and, neighbors in that case. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> it looks and, like a small world. Yeah. Yeah. And and last night they have two, what they call walk down nights, right? Where there's literally 30,000 people that are walking for two miles down in my neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. This is no joke. This is no joke. 30 thousand people and from from 6 p.m to 10 p.m last night you couldn't i couldn't see my neighbor's house across the street because How do you get so, home? we don't okay we we there's side streets so so we have to take side streets and kind of cut and it's not a walk down every night it's 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 cars every night the walk down night is only two nights during the month oh okay right? okay yeah 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 but but we were sitting out there and i was sitting out there with my son and again and a few other people and they were talking about this friend of theirs just just for a second here who passed um last year mm. and he was he was 38 and oh. and of of straight alcoholism oh, and this this young man i've known since he was six years old um, oh, no. he was, he was so, and, and this is important for people to know because there, there, there are different phases and levels of alcoholism yes. and, and it can affect at any point in time, the human, everybody's body is different. Everybody mm -hmm. accepts or rejects it differently. And this young man at 38, when they did the, first of all, when they did the autopsy, he was he was um 180 pounds overweight. He Ooh. had he had blown up like you can't believe. His esophagus was burnt mm. from two from smoking constantly. He had smoked four or five packs of cigarettes a day. Oh. And he was constantly taking shots of anything. Right. But but some some of the strongest alcohol out there that it just literally burned his burned esophagus. His and this is at 38. Wow. He must have been in some kind of pain. He was I I, I just and I know the family. I, I knew everybody in it. I mean, it's not like they had massive addiction in their family, you know, but this this young man. And I'll tell you what, the, for the for the guys that we were talking to last night, I mean, it really hit home to them. You know, that this yeah. is this is serious business. You yeah. know, it's serious business and it can turn even more serious. You know, yeah. it's so so these people that say I'm I'm a functioning alcoholic, are you really? You know, I used to tell people I was a functioning drug addict. I could do my job. Yeah. Right. But but was I truly functioning as a human being? I don't think so. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, that, Merry Christmas to you after that. <laughs> <laughs> While you're talking about it, I'm just On thinking. On that of happy the, note. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking Thanks, of the reaction. No problem, anytime. Yeah, well, I had, Flynn knows I had a couple of people I was working with, and one of them was trying moderation. They go, asked me, 
what's a good what's like a good amount you know where it's not unhealthy and i go well that would be zero because it's poison yeah there there is nothing and especially as we get older and when we get over 40 for sure how it just starts to affect and deplete the body of so many different things like yeah dude look there's there's no there's no amount i don't know what to tell you like i think what's so interesting i i don't I'm I'm guessing the majority of your listeners are probably people who are already in recovery or maybe so what we're talking about are, you know, the friends and family who are still, you know, struggling. And one of the best podcast episodes I ever heard about just straight up alcohol from a scientific perspective was um, from the Huberman Lab podcast. He's a neuroscientist out of Stanford. And it was the most downloaded episode. I think it was 2022 when it came out. But it was the most downloaded episode because it just gave all the straight facts of what alcohol is. And it wasn't from this judgy perspective. Right. It's just like, let's just take a look at what the science says. Because yeah. again, that's impersonal. It, yeah. You know, and when we have when we have facts, then we can make better decisions. And that might be the trailhead that leads to, you know, maybe I could put together a moderation plan. And if that plan fails, if I can't stick to it, then then yeah. we have evidence of I do need to to um, practice abstinence. And I think that's kind of where I want to leave this conversation is that let's just start with the science. Yeah. You know, what does the science say? Yeah. And we, let's start thinking about what, it, you know, we're at the end of the year, everyone's always thinking about what do I want to accomplish in this next year? I would say, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be this next year? You can be anybody you want to be. But if you want to optimize, alcohol is probably not on the list of traits or activities that we want to do that's going to get us to where we want to go. You bet. You bet. Wow. If people want to find out more about you, the One Day at a Time podcast, how can they get a hold of you, Arlena? I just revamped uh, SoberLifeSchool.com. I just updated my website. I have a new guide you know, 30 tips for your first 30 days. There's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done. And I do support women, professional, busy professional women. I I help them to quit drinking and really just build a life they love. So that's, that's me nowadays. (laughs) I've been for a long time. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Arlena, thank you. You're the best. I mean, seriously, it's I really so good I, to be with you guys. I really enjoy talking with you. This has been just absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great holiday season, would you? A Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's right. I love uh, me some Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, of course, for listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube. Please hit that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, click the bell so you know when we put out new content. And if you're uh listening on apple podcast or spotify please leave us a rating and review and also we have in there where how you can submit some uh questions if you want to have flint and i talk about a topic send us an article our thoughts our opinions it's all available to you there so thank you very kindly mr anderson mr lachance thank you as always you're the best buddy if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction please call pain parents and addicts in need at 559 559- Five seven nine one five five one, or visit us online at painnonprofit.org. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Pain Nonprofit. And please subscribe to the Don't Hide the Scars podcast and share with others wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. And if you would like to donate to Pain, Parents and Addicts in Need, Please click the link in the description to make your tax-deductible donation today and help us save more lives gripped by addiction.